guitar strings to Logic Pro X, from XLR cables to the Mojave MA200, this is Extra Reverb and we're talking about all things audio gear. My name's World Famous Secret. Welcome to the very first episode of my podcast. I say mine, I mean ours. Welcome with me. Welcome with me. Lucid Domino. Hello. And Coker Eastler. Hello. <laughs> well, nice. hello to you too. <laughs> quirky. Kind of quirky. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. We're going to be talking about workflow today and specifically ours. So, first off, we'll start with Jacob. Jacob has released an album this year. And it took a long time, so why don't you tell us about that? So I mean, a long time, a long time saying, like, speaking of, like, a year and a half being a long time. Mm-hmm. What I usually do when I make my music... So, me personally, I pretty much, for the most part, do everything in the box, meaning I use my DAW to make my music... Uh, primarily, I use Reason 10. I just recently got Logic Pro X, but that wasn't used at all for uh, my music making of sorts. So I do everything in the box, and I do a specific technique. Uh, you may have used it too, and it's a little technique I call uh, slap stuff on the wall and see what sticks. Uh, <laughs> I'm not really good with uh, putting down on paper basically what I have in my head. So I usually just kind of play around with a music project until it's like, hey, this is this is something I could form a song around. So, you know, I basically I go from there and it's like, OK, this sounds pretty good. I could write lyrics to it. Oh, I can record for it now. Time to mix and master. And there you go. Bada bing, bada boom. Do that seven more times. And that's how I got my uh, recently released EP, Late Night Apartment Lights. Uh, aside from Reason 10, uh, I use a blue bluebird microphone to record my vocals uh and i just use a $30 mic stand and i just recently got bass traps and uh even more recently uh just acoustic panelings on my wall none of those were used on the ep i didn't have them in time but uh for my next record it should sound a lot nicer in here just because i have them on the wall now but aside from that, uh, I don't use a whole lot of other gear. I do have a couple MIDI keyboards. I have a Novation launch key. Sorry, I hit the microphone. Um, that's what I use to kind of help me. Usually, I use it to test out the sounds of the synthesizers I'm making. Uh, sometimes, I'll play a little riff out. But uh, yeah, I'm not really talented when it comes to the piano. So I usually do everything through uh, sequencing. I just pencil it all in and... Uh, really all there is to it you know scales and chords and then rhyme zone that helps me out a lot but i would say that's for the most part my workflow it's really nothing crazy or creative but it works for me in the meantime so yeah hooray but like take us take us like the process of producing like what do you usually start with do you usually start with uh, synth riff. Do you usually start with a beat? Do you usually start with lyrics? Mm-hmm. That's a that's actually a good question. I usually start with a synth line. Uh, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I'm I'm going to start with a drum patch. You know, it's easier to kind of play along with a beat. But for me personally, it's hard to kind of make a drum beat to nothing because I although I can do that, I feel like there's it kind of limits what to kind of build around that basically uh if that makes any sense i have a tendency when i'm just thinking of drums when i'm out and about you know sometimes i'll beatbox myself i like to do that a lot it's always kind of fast and complicated if that makes any sense i keep saying that if that makes any sense but i have trouble making a beat by itself because i'll probably make it too just complicated basically uh which kind of hinders what I could build around. I don't know if I'm making any sense, but I usually start with a with a synth line or a piano chord of sorts when I start my songs. And then from there, I'll usually... Uh, well, it depends what I do after that. Sometimes it's the drums. Sometimes I'll work on something else like a, like a, like a pad or... 
I've even done bass uh, before I've done drums. So really every song is different. Again, I do the slap stuff on the wall and see what sticks method. Uh, I just kind of fiddle around with it until I get it to a point where I'm like, yeah, I can keep developing this project. And if that doesn't happen, usually it's an eight bar loop that just sits on my hard drive and collects dust. Yeah, I know that feeling. It's hard to get rid of a song that has even the slightest amount of potential just because it's like, oh, right. what if I want to work on that later? And you know what? Sometimes that has helped me. Sometimes I have once or twice I have gone back to a project and before you know it, boom, I actually made something with it. I have so, many of those. I, I know I'm not crazy for, a, for you know, having a big just folder full of just literal garbage. Sometimes it's like one little synth line that's like three bars. And it's like, is this really worth eating up my hard drive space? I know it's very, it's a very insignificant amount of space, but it's like, eh, what if I use it? Yeah. So. And the reason I'm stuttering so much is because I wasn't expecting to go first. So I didn't, uh, I didn't really know what to say, but I hope what I said made sense again. Uh, well, yeah. I guess I'm lucky in that sense because I'm not going first. <laughs> kind of piggyback of what I said, basically, right? Yeah. <laughs> Right, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I have a Mojave Audio MA200. That's where you should applaud. Oh. But anyways, so I have Reason 10 as well. I like to pull up Reason 10 and, um, like Jacob said, throw stuff on the wall. Um, I have a bunch of different types of songs too, not just synth pop like him. But most of it is virtual instrument based. Mm -hmm. And I like to just, I like the idea of making do with what you have. So that's been my philosophy for just trying to utilize everything that I have before I try and buy something new. I wish I could say the same. Yeah, we'll get into that. But anyways, uh, I threw a lot of stuff together in like, I'll leave it for later and or because it needs something that I can't give it now. Um, but I like to try something new every song. So, for instance, I've gotten into downloading old sound fonts from video games and using those in my songs. I'm a perfectionist for sure. And I have a specific sound that I want everything to go for. And it's so hard for me to get that out in... Like, from my head. Like, it's one of those memes where the music in my head and, like, the music I end up producing and it goes from being, like, a huge bouquet of flowers to being, like, one tiny little wilted daisy. Hmm. That's me. But anyways, <coughs> I also... Excuse me? I also help a lot of people with their music. So, for instance, this theme song for this podcast... Mm -hmm. Coker yeah, started it off, me. and then <laughs> what I yeah. did was um, I kind of just changed around a few notes and uh, made the bass line a bit notes. more walking. Also chipped in a few ideas for the mix. Um, Jacob didn't do nothing. Hey, yeah, Jacob. I was Jacob not presented was the freeloader. opportunity, but to my defense, dirty, I dirty, came up with the idea for the theme song. I was like, hey, it should be classy and uh, piano-y. Yeah, kind of. He did yeah, say that. He did you say give him it's being there. jazz. He did, he did come up with the idea. You know, to uh, the kind of the, the kind of piggyback to what Austin said a little bit ago, uh, from how he's more of a perfectionist, how he uh, kind of works on what he has in his head. I have a harder time doing that just because I'm still so like new to doing this. And what I end up doing a lot is I'll come up with a really good idea where the idea is there, but the actual execution isn't. And uh, if you don't know this, I actually, uh, me and Austin work a lot when it comes to my music. He's helped me, you know, tremendously over the last few years, just teaching me the ways and kind of showing me what I'm doing wrong and what I'm doing correct, basically. And I've noticed I have this approach, again, where the idea is there. And he's like, whoa, that, you know, that's actually really cool. But it doesn't sound good yet. And uh, we kind of we kind of work on it from there. And, oh, man, it's... It, if it develops over time it's crazy you know i have a couple demos sitting on my hard drive of what some of my songs from late night apartment lights sounded like i'm going to release them or put them 
on my Patreon or just like in a Google Doc, not not a Doc, a Drive, and post it on Twitter. I don't know, but you will see where some of these songs came from. It's like, God, is it? How did this garbage come out? So, you know, it's really different from how Austin does things. He's usually able to kind of have it come sounding great directly out of the box instead of having to kind of. I don't know, snowball it, you know, put well, some snow I mean, and throw it down a hill and have it kind of get better and better first. Yeah, what he's trying to say is that I never do demos. I oh, should. Neither, neither. Maybe sometimes. Neither do I. See, I like to do demos because I personally like to see where some of my songs came from. It's so cool to listen. Like, yeah, I, I just... Know, I had this demo from Clocks on the Wall. <laughs> it's like I wanted to... I wanted to puke. <laughs> <laughs> well, but like, for me, I never see the point of doing demos because we're doing everything yeah, in the box. It's, it's not everything can be changed. It's not like mm-hmm. when you're like I understand recording demo guitar parts it's, or it, like demo it, vocalizations. It's, yeah, it's not like we're in the seventies. Other you than know, that, any, though, it's not like we're in the seventies anymore, where you don't have good access to. The equipment, you know, like it were. See, well, not the equipment, more like just like the actual music, because so much of the actual music is made by virtual instruments these days that you can just reach in and change the notes like I did for the theme song. For those who don't know, I'm sure everyone knows if you're listening to this type of podcast, demos, if I'm not mistaken, are usually created uh, before like a band would go into the the actual studio (laughs) and record the final uh, product. See, yeah. this is this is the Sometimes educational bands part of the, in the podcast. 70s everybody would actually record their demos in the studio. For example, um, if there's anyone here, if you listen to the Beatles, new the new remixes that came out with the deluxe edition, there's a demo for something, and something and that demo was recorded in a studio. It wasn't recorded at home. Um, and a lot of you know, so sometimes there are demos recorded in the studio, but either way, the demo is what you want to build off of. It's not what. It's not the final cut. It's what yeah. you want to build off of. Sometimes, and then sometimes, you know, you hear a demo and you think, "Oh well, they might as well have not changed it at all." It sounds literally exactly the same. But either way, there was something there that the artist wanted to improve upon, and that's right. what the demos. That's one thing I like about demos. I like, uh, you know, I like demos where it sounds really cool, and I've heard demos where the artist never ended up doing anything with that song. Uh, Adam Young, for example, he also goes by uh, Owl City. Uh, he has this one demo that, to this day, the Owl City community, especially on Reddit, still talks about. It's so good. This demo was probably released in, like, 2013. And everyone, I'm not kidding, today will tell you that, yes, I look forward to this demo every day. We hope that one day he releases his demo. Uh, and that's one reason why I like to the do full demos. Song, you mean. Yeah, it, well, yeah, yeah, it's what I meant. Um, You're talking about floppy fish, right? I am talking about floppy fish, yeah. I want to, you know, usually when I release demos, they sound like garbage. For me, I like to just have those to kind of be like, yeah, that's what the song used to sound like. It's pretty crazy. But sometimes, yeah, a demo is just to kind of give a reference to what the song should sound like, which this is why when Austin said, it doesn't really make sense to do them anymore because everything is all really digital. and Well, not, okay, we should we should point one thing out. We all do every part of the music mm-hmm. like ourselves. Yes. We don't have any any other instrumentalists that team up with us except for ourselves. Um, but one way that demos do help is let's say there's a band leader that plays guitar, but he doesn't play anything else. Um, he will sit down in the studio, put up a mic. Um, and record a scratch guitar part and a scratch vocal part for everyone else to play off of. That's like the one thing yeah. that a demo and could I, be I, useful another thing for. is, and that goes back to what I said earlier about it being and and a not demo. Virtual the perfect thing about a demo is is you don't have to. You're not. It's not like it, well. How I'm trying to wear this. You're not. There's not as much pressure to release it as would be a actual take of a song. And like, for example, um, right. going back to the Beatles, you know, with the White Album, there were the Escher demos that were released where they recorded them at George Harrison's mansion on his tape recorder. And one of those was Child of Nature. And 
for anyone who knows this, Child of Nature actually later became John Lennon's song Jealous Guy off of his Imagine album. So that's just, you know, an example, just because with the demo, you're not as pressured to use it as would be just the normal take. And not that you're going to be pressured to use every, you know, the final take of a song. There's plenty of moments where you don't do that, but it still isn't as much as if you had just recorded a demo the first time. Sometimes, right. sometimes part of the reason Coker, why I if also, you don't know, was born in the wrong generation. I, I, I'm one of those. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm just glad I'm not one of those people that comments on YouTube videos of classic rock songs being like, I was born in the wrong generation. Ah, Pink Floyd are the best. Lady Gaga. That reminds me. Terrible. Of, that reminds me of the meme. Yeah, do you know the meme where uh, Spider Man? Uh, you know, you know the meme where Spider Man is like showing like the presentation. And it's like, oh, for example, yes, yes, yeah. You're if you like music, if you like you know older generation music like seventies music, it doesn't mean you're born in the wrong generation. It just means you like older music. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like that. And I feel, and I, if anything, I think if you are most, unless you grew up listening, unless you only listen to vinyl exclusively. You can't say anything about being born in the wrong generation just because of your music taste because the simple fact is if you weren't born in this generation, you wouldn't have access to all the music tastes that you have. That's, that's just the, that's just the simple fact of the matter, you know? And Yeah. You know, and uh, continue well, anyways, Austin, though, why don't you about, tell us about your oh. workflow, Coke? Oh, of course I will tell you about my about tell my us. workflow. Perfect. So um Austin and Jacob are, it's a bit odd to explain. They are very, I, I, I don't want to say they're more perfectionists than I am. And that doesn't mean that I don't want my thing, you know, my music to sound good. It's just, I don't, if it's, it's, it's more, I'm a perfectionist for the imperfections. I want my music to sound natural. I don't want it to sound like, it's gone through hundreds of layers of production. And I guess my very simple production style, which is birthed from my, you know, my urge to make music like that is the reason I've been able to make so much music in this year alone compared to Jacob, you know, who took a year to make his album and, you know, Austin who hasn't even made his album. I haven't done anything. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and it's, uh, so I guess I'll start from the beginning. So the beginning is I take inspiration from something. I don't ever start from just, you know, nothing comes from a bubble. I don't think it takes a genius to say that. So normally I'll find something, a piece of media or a movie or a book, something to inspire the sound of not only the couple songs, but the album. And if you've been paying attention to what I've been writing, you would know lately that has been, um, embarrassingly enough, Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is a, Japanese animated series that's on Netflix and everything. You should watch it. It's great. But that is what I've gotten all my inspiration from. And that is what I've started off from. And that atmosphere from that show has been what has inspired the tone and the sound of my music lately. Even beyond all the simplistic sounds that I try to put out, it still is done in an attempt to get the atmosphere of that show out. And so that's what I do. And I've done it before with uh, one album I did, which is gone to the ages, never will probably ever be seen again, was inspired by things such as the Titanic sinking. The atmosphere was inspired by that in the era of that time. That's where I get the whole, that's where I start off from is that whole inspiration. Um, and if any, uh, Austin and Jacob can tell you the sound I try to go for is not digital. Basically I try to go as far analog as I can with a digital audio works audio work space you know a daw it's really hard but i've i've sometimes i will nail it right then and there other times i will completely flop and it'll sound weird either way i try my hardest to do that and i start off most of the time by writing the song on a guitar i write the song most most of my songs on guitar some i'll write on piano and a couple weird times i wrote a song on bass um but most of the time it's on a guitar and I could go in, I could go all into composition and my musical art, you know, artists that inspire me, but that would take forever. You know, 
it just let Austin and Jacob assure you it has a uh, there are a lot of them a lot of them um but we assure uh, you yeah yeah it's there's a lot of them and I don't want to go into them but just know I start off with a guitar and then when I'm recording in logic and by the way I don't mo almost none of the time I actually write the lyrics with the guitar I actually just compose the song on the guitar and then immediately go and record it so the minute I'm done writing the song, which the same day, might I add, the same day most of the time, the same day I am done writing that song on guitar, no lyrics, no anything, just writing the song, I'll go into Logic, which I've used for about a year. Before that, it was GarageBand, so, you know, obviously haven't really used any other DAW ever. Um, I'll immediately go in and use one of the automatic drum tracks that they have. My only issue with them is that you can't make them imperfect, imper imperfect. You can't make them be, you know, non-quantized, which in some ways I would want because it almost gives it a bit more of a natural feel to it. But either way, I start off with the automatic drum track, you know, one of those little automatic drummers that you drop in. They have them in GarageBand too, you know. They're very simple, but they can get a lot of different sounds out of them, which is why I use them. And I drop that in add a couple measures for how long the song I wrote on the guitar was, set the BPN everything up, and then I will record the guitar track first thing. I will record a guitar track, and usually if you listen to my music, the guitar track is the first thing that was recorded, nothing else. And so I record the guitar track, and then I add everything else. That's all I can say. The final thing I usually add is bass, and that's being honest. I, the final thing I will add in a song is bass. And I've, I've been getting, I, I guess, sort of compared to other, pe other artists of the time period that I'm trying to emulate with my music, I'm sort of experimental. I use a lot of synthesizers, not none like Jacob and Austin use where they're, you know, more of a modern synth sound. I always try to make them sound analog and really retro, you know, I use, I use synthesizers and uh, my favorite thing of all the Mellotron, which is a classic instrument by all means and it works in a very versatile way but yeah that's that's the simple part of it really i just try to emulate what sound i want to get out of that music i already when i start off i already have the idea in my head and i just start putting it in place i start putting it in place hmm. one bit at a time and then once i'm done i start focusing on the mixing and as I've said, with like all like all other things, I try to make it sound as retro as I as I can. I use a lot of the Waves audio plugins, uh, the Abbey Road collection more specifically, to emulate that analog sound. I also use a lot of Apple's built-in retro packs, most specifically the EQ settings. Um, I use a lot of those because they, it, even if you're not modifying anything. Just adding them alone without any sort of changes can actually make the song sound more analog. So even at its base level, those plugins will actually make it sound, can still add a bit more of a warmth and a bit more of a character to that sound that is more akin to analog. And Austin probably gets mad at me for this, but it's just how I do it. I have a very simplistic way of recording. If I want to have doubling on the guitars... Most normal artists would go and either duplicate the guitar track and give it a different amp to make it sound different or record a second guitar track just a slight bit different and put them on left and right sides to make it sound more, you know, full. And to be fair, a lot of old artists did do that, but I prefer to just use something like a sample delay or uh, the real ADT plugin which makes everything sound spaced out and full. Not the fake ADT program, the real, real ADT program. Real ADT. Yeah, real ADT. Um, and, uh, and it's a bit odd to say this, but compared to most, like if you look at most people's mixes, a song that normally would have taken someone, you know, I don't know, about 24 tracks to do would probably take me about 12 or eight maybe at the most. And that's just due to the simple fact that I don't like to go too far beyond what I want. And hey, trying to keep it analog, gotta use like an yeah. eight track. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, of course. Like for example, um there's a song that I did a couple years about a year ago actually, uh more than a year ago, 
uh, called On the Bottom of the Ocean. When that song, when I did my, when I did my original version of that song, I used maybe like five or eight tracks on the thing, maybe even t- 10 or 12, if we're being really, you know, graceful with this whole thing, being real generous. Austin, when he was working on his cover of it, I think he used about like 30, I think. He had a bunch of them. and Definitely most, at least 20 so far. Uh, yeah, at least 20. And most of those were guitar tracks. So that just shows you how simplistic I go with my whole production style. And it, it, it has worked. It has worked so far. I'm still trying to improve. I'm still, uh, sadly enough, I have to say it. I'm still trying to find my sound. You know, Austin will, I'll send something in the group chat and Austin will be like, Coker, I think this is your sound. And I'll be like, yeah, okay, this is cool. And then I send a new track a couple of days later. That's completely different. <laughs> just sounds absolutely nothing like what I sent before. And some, you may, some may say it's me trying to improve. It, it it just depends on what I'm listening at that moment. It's not really like if you listen to the two albums that I've put out so far, by the way, they're not under Coker Eastler. They're by under Sweet Tuesday, which is why you've probably never heard of Coker Eastler on any of I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I used his old artist name. It doesn't matter. That's my actual name anyway. Um, uh, but yeah, the two Sweet Tuesday albums I put out, they each have very different tones different sounds different composition styles however they are still you can still tell they're made by the same person in some ways uh there's still some things that are very characteristic about my sort of production style that come through on those two albums and i guess because of that very simplistic style the fact i have a lot of time on my hands the fact that i when i get when i start doing something i want to finish it very quickly you know with those three factors put in mind, I guess that's just the reason that's the reason I've been able to put out so much within only about a year's time, you know, and I'm hoping I can get way more better stuff done, round out my sound a bit more for 2020, the new decade, you know, I'm hoping I can get all that ready and hopefully after all that, yeah, hopefully after all that, I can, uh, yeah, sweet decade. Hopefully after all that, I can, try to uh keep going and just hope i can keep the sound alive you know but um yeah and once i'm done with a track uh once i'm finished with everything i've done this this is by the way due to austin's recommendation i use a uh i don't use the regular limiter i use the adaptive limiter on the output just to make everything seem normal you know keep it fine and uh yeah, after all that, then I just load it up, put it in a mat. I have a separate, then I have make a separate project for the master, and then that's how I get I get everything done. That's basically. It, it, I know I talk too much, which is why this has probably gone on way longer than any of theirs did. But I try. I I, I really nah, can't. It's all right. You know, I talk too much throughout this whole thing, but that that's basically the whole process I, mean, I go through. That's- I mean, if we may quote Obi-Wan, that's why we're here. Yeah, that's why we're here. Paraphrase him more like. But anyways, okay, so I have a question that I've been meaning to ask you. Uh, You said lately you've been getting inspired by Neon Genesis. So what would you count as the inspirations for the first two albums since you said they were completely different? Still Neon Genesis. (laughs) the the, that's the thing the inspirations that like the artists that have inspired me they all come from many different you know ideas but that doesn't mean you know so like the concepts behind neon genesis the whole idea of separation about how humanity is doomed by the idea of being separated from others and the whole idea of having to deal with the stuff that the characters in the show deal with the concepts behind the show, it all drives sweet Tuesday, basically forward. It completely drive and it. And that doesn't mean though the albums don't sound different. That is mainly the lyrical and the tonal inspiration for my music. The uh. actual composition and the actual arrangement side comes from many different sources. So for example, giving some main examples, I'll tell you the main inspirations. Uh, my first album, Moon Thoughts, was heavily inspired by the group Big Star. 
and other power pop groups from about the 70s, mainly jangle pop, if you've heard of that type of genre. That's where those main ideas from that come from. Even though they're inspired by Neon Genesis, the same as every other album has, they still, the sound comes from Big Star. Uh, my second album, which I removed because I grew tired of it, no, you, I will not upload it, most likely. Uh, it, it was inspired mainly by Britpop, groups like Oasis and Blur and Supergrass. Uh, those really drove the sound of that album. And you can still listen to some of the ideas I got from it, mainly uh, Sincerely I Need You. Sincerely I Need You is the only track from that album that is still out there, which I do not care because Sincerely I Need You is, I find it really good. I've always enjoyed that one. And then the newest album, The White of Their Eyes, is heavily folk-inspired, mainly Nick Drake and... Uh, not Michael Drake, mainly Nick Drake. <laughs> Nick Drake and... Uh, yeah, mainly Nick Drake and uh, Mac DeMarco with a bit of Big Star still in there. Uh, and that's where that whole sound came from. And The White of Their Eyes actually uh, started work before that second album that I took off began. I started work on the white of their eyes actually before that second album, because I sort of, when I listened to the second album, I was like, this is not going to be the one I keep, <laughs> you know? And so I immediately started work on something I felt would be better. And it went through many different re revisions and different ideas until it settled on the white of their eyes. Um, and one surprising inspiration I took specifically for one song, which is, the phone that never rings, which in Austin's words is the type of song that you should send off to a record label. Austin did actually say that about the original cut. Um, that song was specifically inspired by the group Fishman's and their song in the flight, which has a, the original cut, which you do not hear. I'm, I might release the original version. Uh, the original version has like violin solo going over a Mellotron solo. Yeah. And it has very heavy drums on it and very, it's very much more doom metal-esque. If, if I'm being <laughs> serious here, no way, it, it's, it's much more doom metal-esque than the final cut on the album. Just with the simple like arrangement of it and the, I, the way it's, the way it goes through the song is much more akin to, if I could think of something a bit like the opening to uh, War Pigs by Black Sabbath, not necessarily through directly the, the way the guitars sound or the way anything really on the sound song, just the way the sound feels. The song, way the song feels gets that atmosphere of just doom and gloom and terror across. And then and I redid it. I redid it because I wanted to redo it. You know, I mean, whatever reason, what, what other reason would I have? And that, version is what ended up getting released. So I might release the original, but I'm not sure. And again, I went on a ramble. <laughs> you said that, uh, the whites of your eyes, the whites of their eyes went through several revisions. Like what? Give us examples. Uh, I can actually go through my iTunes library right now. I'm not going to play anything obviously, but I'm just going to look and see. Um, so knee, which was the name of my second album, knee, uh, it, it, knee was based upon it, knee acted as sort of like the basis for what the white of their eyes would become while I ended up not liking knee and you know, I obviously took it off. Uh, it acted as sort of the basis for more experimenting and a bit more of a heavy, heavier sound when compared to the first album. And Eventually, after a little bit, I began to take even more inspiration from Neon Genesis to the point where the original name for the album was actually uh, Sincerely I Need You. And Sincerely I Need You eventually evolved to Walls, which was mainly me just taking a play off of Pink Floyd's The Wall. Um, however, that also didn't get released and walls actually had a bunch of songs that never actually got released at all. Uh, and eventually I kept working on it, rounding it out a bit more. And finally, uh, when I began to listen to Nick Drake, 
I began to realize, well, what if this had a bit more of a folk sound to it? You know, what if this had a bit more of a tone akin to some of those old folk artists? And that's where I just began to, you know, instantly like that song after song after song was written. And, and there's still a bit of Brit pop, you know, influences in there. More specifically, Fly was very inspired by a lot of those groups back then. And so was The Phone That Never Rings. The Phone That Never Rings was also fairly inspired by that. Um, but it, it just, it devolved from being well, the original idea of walls was that it was going to make fun of self-loathing and music that we have nowadays, or at least how I view it. There's a lot of self-loathing in music and it's not all done genuinely. In my opinion, it seems a lot of the time when someone writes a song with how much self-loathing I've seen in some of the music nowadays that it. It comes across as only done to be popular. That's how I feel, which is sort of sad to say, but it's true, at least in my honest opinion. So you Um, discovered my secret. Your secret. (laughs) Um, Yes, Jacob, I did discover your secret. I'm frankly disgusted. Uh, I never never let you, I didn't tell you to release the stuff from my diary on the internet. Okay, (laughs) you shouldn't have done that. (coughs) I deserve um, that. What was it? Um, Yeah, that's just the whole idea. The whole idea of Walls originally was to make fun of this self-loathing type of music. And midway into the progress, I started actually getting self-loathing. Eventually, I was writing. I went from writing songs about how sad and depressed I was, ironically, become and eventually became serious and actually sincere. And eventually, I was like, oh, God, what's wrong with me? Why am I writing stuff like this just without even thinking about it being ironic? And eventually I cut it out and I started writing The White of Their Eyes, which eventually became a much more wholesome album compared to Walls. And I'm not, I wouldn't say necessarily I'm ashamed of Walls. I am just more or less not really proud of it, you know, as much as I am The White of Their Eyes. Uh, The Phone That Never Rings, bringing that up again, that was actually one of the ideas behind writing an album, writing a song that was really self-loathing in an ironic context. And I used... That literally is the biggest inspiration that I took from Neon Genesis because not only is the song named after an episode and a line from one of those episodes from the series, but a lot of the lyrics that I, the story that I tell in the song is also directly lifted from episodes. And the original cut actually literally had me doing spoken word quotes from the show. Weeb. Are you a subman or a dubman? Ooh. Ooh. Um, depends. It really depends. Um, if it's a really good dub, then yeah, I'll do dubs. But if it's a, if the dub is complete trash, nah, I'm not going to watch the dub. For example, um, Serial Experiments Lane is one I've been taking inspiration from lately. So, you know, Neon Genesis might get overtaken by, you know, this old serial experiments lane that I've been watching. Um, and for example, that one, I never really liked the dub for it. So I started watching the sub, but, (laughs) um, yeah, that's really all I got to say again with the rambling I've done. I've rambled for about 20 minutes about, (laughs) you know, I don't know. I don't know how often I say this, but I, Again, I do I do admire uh how how you how your recording method goes. Uh I think it's really cool that when you have you have an idea for a song, you could just sit down and iron it out and you could probably have a song within a few days. And I think that's really cool because for me, I can have one little synth line in a matter of a I don't know, a week, maybe a synth line, a little bass loop. So, you know, it's a lot harder, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, I want to write a song about this emotion or this thing I'm going through. Well, when you work on a song for three months, you don't feel the same way, you know, three months later. And it makes it a lot harder to kind of bring out that, uh, how would I say this, uh, raw, raw emotions, energy. So I think it's cool. Like, oh, I'm feeling this way. I could just sit down and just, you know, pluck a couple of guitar strings. I'm not saying that's all you do, but you know what yeah. I mean. You're able just to yeah, go down and uh, just kind of print out what's in your what's in your head, basically. So uh, I always and thought I, that was kind of cool. My one thing I've been taking up as a bit of a habit is recording an entire song 
waiting about a week and then listening to it again to see if it actually sounds any good, which is just because of the whole problem I have, which is not being a perfectionist in any sort of way. Uh, I often will listen to an album when it's out, such as the case of Knee, and I will realize this is terrible. I do not like this at all. And that's what I've taken up with this new album. And I did it with The Wide of Their Eyes as well, where I will just record a song, wait about a week, listen to it again, and see if I like it or not. And it's been pretty good. The stuff I've been turning out is pretty decent compared to anything else. So it's been working. Indeed. Uh, so what's your favorite of all your songs so far, both of you? Ooh, uh, I like, I'll let Jacob go first. Or do you not want to go first? I'll go first happily if you don't want to go first. You can go first. <laughs> All right. Um. Well, do I, does it have to be out already? Yeah. Should I pick one that's already out? You know, to plug it. I... To plug it for people to go listen. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're, 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 you're right. Yeah, yeah, point. Um, definitely the phone that never rings. I'm that, that song, I know I've been on about that song all throughout this whole ramble I've had, but I always liked the phone that never rings. Fly was really good though. I really liked fly. And if I had to pick one other than the phone that never rings, I'd probably pick fly or long ago, you know, strange hey, girl long ago. Let's go. Yeah. Strange girl from, Oh yeah. Fun fact, fun fact. Yeah. Austin played guitar on that one. Austin shredded the fat jazzy <laughs> licks. <laughs> um, funny enough, the first, one of the songs that I get asked to play the most when I'm have my guitar with me and with friends is strange girl from my first album. And which I feel I've always liked strange girl, you know, and it's almost like I have to put other songs below that one. I have to put get rid of that song out of my head when I'm thinking about my favorite songs because I'll immediately say Strange Girl because Strange Girl was the first true song I ever wrote. Strange Girl from my first album was like when I realized, hey, I can actually write somewhat decently. And it always and again, that was the first song also where the Neon Genesis inspiration came from. Uh, it's about one of the characters from that show. And it was just the idea of a girl. Eventually, a tra- and she's strange. Uh, yeah, it's a, about a girl, and she's kind of strange. If anyone's watched the show, you know who I'm talking about. Just listen to the song; you'll know. It'll, you'll just have to listen to the song, and you'll pick up the clues. But um, context uh, <laughs> clues. Yeah, there's a lot of clues in that song to who it is, and they basically just railroad you like a train track right into who I'm talking about. Um. But it's, uh, yeah, even if it is about, you know, an anime character, which in any other sense would be cringy, I feel like it's almost surpassed, not in a quality sense, but it's surpassed, in my honest opinion, what it originally meant, and has just become one of my favorite songs I've ever written. What is your answer? Heartwarming story. You know, and... (laughs) My favorite song from Coker's is uh, Paper Planes. (laughs) <laughs> that, yeah yeah thank you buddy i'm so happy i think that's the best song i've ever written i think it's the greatest song i've ever written can you agree with me on that austin his best original 100 best song i've ever original written, written yeah so much better original. than what jacob 100% writes original yeah i know 100 better than what jacob writes <sighs> that chump am i right yeah i know bro <laughs> oh man definitely well, didn't get that from anything that's that's all of my brain i printed it out on the on the project yeah paper planes from uh, late night apartment lights is completely this is a complete ripoff of uh yeah why'd you cover my song bro? I you didn't just, give me I, no- it was so good it was so good I had <laughs> why'd to. you cover my song bro how dare you oh so good. that's another that's another song inspiration that jacob took from my diary that he read without <laughs> me knowing the, the self-deprecating <laughs> diary of self-loathing he crossed so the entire united states to come look mm-hmm. at my diary yeah so if i had to pick between all of my songs that are currently released i would with hands down i would probably say that um actually no you know what it is a hard choice i'm torn between nothing i can do and mystery both of which is on my new ep late night apartment those lights are both really good ones uh, that is hard my pick. thing about dreaming from scratch is i feel like dreaming from scratch 
is what, or I feel like late night apartment lights is what Dreaming from Scratch wanted to be and what I wanted as a, as an artist. But at the time I was so new and, uh, I didn't know how to turn not hot garbage. So that reason alone, uh, definitely all of my favorite songs are from late night apartment lights. Uh, there's maybe one or two good songs from Dreaming from Scratch, but anyways, uh, back to the topic. It is hard. Uh, both songs, Nothing I Can Do and Mystery, are really different topics. Uh, as if you listen to any of my songs, you'll you'll kind of you kind of realize all my songs are usually about a girl of sorts. I have I. It's hard for me to write. Is it the about, strange girl? Oh yeah, the strangest <laughs> man. It's hard strangest. to it's hard for me to write about anything else. And one thing I like about Nothing I Can Do is that it's actually not about a girl. It's it's more about um just not wanting to die alone and i don't mean alone as in uh as like oh single i mean like when i was when i when i pictured when i was writing the song you know i don't think endgame was out yet but uh uh avengers infinity war was out and you wrote I wrote a song about thanos i didn't write a song about thanos <laughs> but i was picturing myself in like spider-man shoes basically i was like the thought of like dying alone like oh Bruh. sorry i cursed I'm gonna. You're gonna need to censor that ah, out. <laughs> we we made a big a bad, curse. Bad oh, I'm so used to it. Um, it's also. I also took inspiration from a, a boxcar racer song called um, "Letters to God." Uh, but yeah, it's it's nothing I can do is really just about uh not wanting to die alone and like being scared of uh of dying or just of what's to come. So for that, and it's my favorite. It's I think it's my best uh vocal performance. Uh, I did something different. I sung really high, which is good because I have a really uh, high-pitched voice that's not seeming to want to get any lower. Uh, for people who don't know me, maybe listening to this on Apple Podcasts, if I can get it up. Uh, I'm 19 years old, uh, but it I don't sound like it. So I think nothing I can like do a- uh, really uh, <laughs> shows what I can do with my voice. So... For every reason, I like Nothing I Can Do. I also like to view Nothing I Can Do as a postcard part two. And I wouldn't really say by a lyrical context, but by a production-wise, it reminds me a lot, especially the intro of what a, of a postcard was. So, Because it's banging piano yeah, chords. Yeah, it's, it's the banging piano chords. You know, when I when I recorded uh, Postcard, what I did was I was I was banging on the piano. <laughs> like I got mad one one yeah. one evening. I was yeah, literally he recording just put myself. scales and chords on it. That's all he did. Oh, I I I don't even think I I did do that actually. I was banging on the piano, and um, I was like, "What if I just quantized this?" And when I quantized it, it was like ninety five percent there. I threw a scales and chords to make sure it was on key. And uh, I fixed it up a little bit, and before you know it, that's, that's how I got the intro to postcard. Um, and what's really funny is Austin was here to witness it too. Uh, I believe it was "Don't Goes" chorus. I believe I did it for for the chorus of "Don't Go." You hear this, uh, you hear this kind of like rhythm side chain, uh, kind of synth going on uh if you if you use reason if you know uh the thor polyphonic uh synthesizer the default patch that comes on when you open it is as, as a patch called uh ep- i think it's just called epic poly if, am I, yeah. if i'm not mistaken it's that synth so if you'll know that sound in the chorus if you listen to it uh austin was here to witness this i was banging on the keyboard for fun <laughs> i was no i wasn't even banging on it i was just pressing random keys i was I'm gonna get my little uh, magic keyboard. I was basically doing this, as- <laughs> and I threw a scales and chords unit on it. I quantized Whoa! it as a joke, and then, uh, and then I threw a side chain, and that's what I got. That- that's all it was. It was so cool. It just it took no effort. I banged on the- I banged on the keyboard. I quantized it, and if you don't know what scales and chords is, it's a unit. Uh. And reason where uh, you could you could you, it, I think logic does something similar. You basically quantize your notes to be in the specific key that you pick. So let's say you press a random you know bunch of keys. Say oh I want it in D major. Well it'll play only D D major notes, which is 
which is what got me into using Reason mainly, other than Owl City using it, was because, oh, this could help me because I have no idea how music theory works. So how to music. that's why I like I like Don't Go's chorus for that reason. It was so stupid, but it sounds um, cool. Let me I don't I don't remember I'm seeing that. Were you not there? Yep. We were um I forget we were we were working on something. And I believe I believe you're also showing me how to uh, make the wolf bite melody, and then uh, I think I I'm pretty sure from there I just I did that and um, I I swear you were there to witness it. You probably just forgot, but I remember you being on the call when I did it, and I was like, dude, my, check this out. It sounds really good. My favorite song of yours has got to be either. It's got to be goodbye. I've always liked goodbye. I did too. That was that was my that was my favorite from Dreaming from Scratch. Uh, another, I want to say it's my favorite, but I like it a lot. Is Paper Planes from Late Night Apartment Lights that I stole from Coker. Yeah, you um, you covered my song that but, you took from my diary. But what's cool about Paper you. Planes is how much everybody else likes Paper Planes. Like. I kind of wrote that song. I mainly made it for f- kind of for fun. You know, Austin came up with the idea of doing like the vocoder style of the chorus. And I don't know. Uh, Michael Drake actually helps me write that song a little bit. Other than that, I've written every other song, I swear. Um, yeah. Actually, Austin did come up with uh, with the theme for Clocks on the Wall about clocks being on the wall. He said something like that. But you know what? I said um, tell a story. I think- I think the thing I like most about... I said tell a about... story. Did you? I don't remember. I could have sworn he said something like Clocks on the Wall-esque. And that's how I came up with the idea for Clocks on the Wall. I think what's I like most about like Paper Planes and Goodbye is I feel like... I how like do they I go word hand this on right? Ha- they go hand on hand in a way. Yeah, they, they really... like They cover... They really do because... Paper plane, because goodbye is more of like a regretful, like I have to go now. I really don't want to leave, but I have to, type of thing. Yes. And paper planes feels more like, like I'm happy to go. I'll miss you, but I'm still very happy to go. You know, it's sort of like it's sort of like yeah, this whole thing we have is going to end. It's going to be ruined. But in the end, both of us will be better because of it. That's right. how I've always looked at it. What's funny about you know, "Goodbye" is it's very it's a very self deprecating song. Uh, it's really it's really about just like accepting that you lost and that you're saying goodbye. You know, like you, you don't you don't like me back, or you know you you're not actually you know you're not into me, you're not in love with me. So uh, I'm saying goodbye, and yeah, it's regretful. But it's like, you know, sometimes it's okay to lose, which is a line from the song. Um, yeah, and sing the blues. But what you said about paper planes is, uh, it's pretty true. It's kind of like it's kind of like the same concept, but except it's not uh, it's not so sad. It's not like it's more like both th- parties women, are equally. Yeah, like it's like both parties are equally happy to like. For the both parties are equally sad that what they have is about to end, but they also realize that it's going to be good and healthy for them in the end. Yeah, I'd say that's a good uh, that's a good way to you know that's how I've always looked at it. It's like goodbye is the part one, and paper planes is the real is part two, which is like the realization that all together it ended up helping you out in the end. Or it, in in some way, if you really wanted to say this, you could say Paper Planes is almost a prequel to Goodbye in the sense that Paper Planes is at you know right after a breakup, everyone always is like, oh well, I didn't like him anyway, oh you know, and then they're acting all high and mighty, and then they realize after that, which is where Goodbye comes in. Well, wait a minute, I might have messed up. Yeah, you know, so it works either ways, which is why I love both of those songs. They both complement each other really well, and they both, they both, they feel it's a bit odd. They're one of the few. I'm, I'm really gonna commend you for this. They're one of the few electronic songs that truly have the same essence in the feel of like some of the classic rock songs I've listened to, with the way they progress and the way that they actually are written. They truly feel like. One of those great 
classic rock songs that people will listen to, except it's electronic, which is crazy to say, but it's true. Yeah. My favorite of Coker's songs is, well, we all know. I think we, we're well aware of it. My favorite of Jacob's songs is The Lights Around. You I you hate that you keep. Mine yeah, you're so persistent on liking plug. that song because I know it's plug, ironic. Austin. <laughs> How are they supposed to know what song to look for if you don't say it? Mystery is my favorite of Jacob's songs. All right. Well, I, I love know. mystery. I don't know. I kind of like. I kind of like. Don't go as well. I don't know. You know what's? Co- I I like mystery because I think it's my peak. Like. Uh, lyric performance like I really was shooting for like an Owl City-esque type of a lyrical content I guess every song is like that <laughs> in a way I'm never but that alone song's a when different. you're here with me I think make fun of that line <laughs> all you want bucko I, I kinda I can't lie man one of my favorites from you is of course a good old heart paradox oh oh yeah I mean that really is a classic heart, there cannot heart, be a, heart, an ulterior motive paradox. for picking that one no nah, none at all there's no other there's not like there's no other reason it's just there's it's not like it's not like I was involved with it or anything that's just it's just it's it's it's, it's the name it's just you, appreciating you just, great art it's appreciating great song. art don't don't look up and see who's featured but, in that song by the way <laughs> yeah because his artist page <laughs> which isn't still there says <laughs> which still says coker 0415. No, it doesn't. It says Coke Coke I can't change that without releasing the album for a hundred dollars. What? Yeah. That's so weird. I'm under uh C I use C D baby now. So yeah. Wait, didn't you use C D baby for that? Hmm? For what? Didn't you use C D baby for dreaming from scratch? Yeah. Well, I originally used root note, but uh Back last about last year, so I think about I think it was exactly a year ago, pretty much. I uh, re-released it under is, CD Baby. No, Root Note just takes so long. I like CD Baby, and this is the reason I don't use a uh, I haven't used Lander or anything, is because I don't like the idea that if I accidentally miss a payment or if I pass away and can't pay them anymore, all my music would go down. I believe is how that works. Well, that's why whenever I do anything with DistroKid, I always make sure to choose the leave a legacy option because it's like a one-time payment for that, you know. And obviously, yeah, CD Baby would be a bit better, but I like the options that DistroKid has. Yeah. So at, at paying that one-time payment, you know, for it to not get deleted if I miss a payment is fine with me. Yeah, because a hundred dollars to release an album is kind of a lot, but if you, well, to be real if, if you, you think actually, about I'm it, probably, it's it, I'm, I think it's fair. If anything, I'm paying about the same amount actually as you because if I because the thing is I'm paying district it's about thirty five dollars a year, so let's just say I only make one album that year, and I pay the what forty thirty nine forty dollar leave a legacy bit that's about 90 90 to 100 bucks i'm paying about the same amount as you do they uh do they take a cut at all no they do not if you do yearly no they don't take any cuts okay because you're paying them you know yeah okay but um i'm not gonna get into finances because a good man never talks about his finances (laughs) but um Let's just leave it what here. About a strange girl. Does let's, a strange girl talk about her finances? I don't know. Maybe, but um, let's just leave it at the fact that PayPal's screwing me over because I'm not 18 yet. Let's leave it at that because <laughs> I have like 25 bucks for my music in there and I can't access it because PayPal is kind of stupid. Oh, do you want to just borrow my social security number? <laughs> <laughs> you bro, that's, that's not illegal at all. It's like, um, bro, my PayPal is in trouble. Get your mom's credit card, get your mom's credit card and get the numbers on the front and the three wacky numbers on the back. Wacky numbers. <laughs> Help save Coker's PayPal. Yeah. I'd do it. I he's, he's, Coker seems like a pretty trustworthy guy. Well, I never, well, I never said my favorite of my songs. Yeah, I was going to say. Let's go with... Bob-omb Battlefield Ragtime Remix. 
Oh, of course. It's beautiful. the classic. I have not heard that, I don't think. The new Calassic. This is the first video on my channel. I'm going to... Um, my favorite My favorite piece of media that all of us in our group together have made is uh, the classic Mr. Helper Man. <laughs> hmm? Mr. Helper Man. What? Is that the name of it? Mr. Helper Guy? Mr. Hel- it's Mr. Helper Guy. Mr. Helper Guy 4? What are you talking about? I'm talking about that channel you made. Yeah, Mr. Helper like- Guy 4. Yeah, it's the, the masterpiece. OG. Yeah. The masterpiece. Of- sh- I like how if I look up... Oh, what? You changed it? It's not Mr. Helper Guy 4 anymore? No, it's Lucid Domino. Now I changed it, so I used the subs. How could you do this? I'm sorry, you- man. It's just Mr. Helper Guy 4 was a, nu- was a nuisance. He had to go. It's such a sad... It's so sad. Yeah, it's a, it was a shame. Believe me, I didn't want to do it. So, so sad. I, I'd say my favorite from Austin's is either the intro to the Cosmic Cast. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. <laughs> so I'm just going to call it the Cosmic Cast Remix. And he has an upcoming remix. I don't know if he wants me to say the name for of it yet. That Wait, I'm we're supposed to only talk about released stuff. Oh. You know, well, I, here's a question on. I've been having for uh, for Austin for a little while. So you call oh, yourself yes. World Famous Secret, right? Yeah. Well, what's the secret? Yeah, what is the secret? Yeah, you. Yeah. Because nobody knows about me. I know you. I know who you are. For me, you're just world famous known. Jacob. World famous uh, known thing. You can call me world famous fact. World famous fact. World famous fact of life. That should be the name of your next album. (laughs) Maybe. My next beat tape. Hey, bro, I want collab. Collabra. Right, you want to collab? Can I collab? Bro, I got a neat sound. um, Bro, I got a bop that we can put on my SoundCloud. (laughs) Is it it, uh, uh, that one Hanson song? Beep bop? (laughs) Bop? You mean Mm bop? What's it called again? Mm Bop? It's called mm bop. Mmm, bop. Mmm, <laughs> bop. Mmm, <laughs> bop. I just well. looked up Hanson, and I got mmm, and then another video, and then Chris Hansen, <laughs> man breaks pizza <laughs> the teen's house, <laughs> meets Chris Hansen instead. <laughs> Bro, yo, okay. Real quick, gotta do some plugging real quick, gotta plug. If you guys actually want to hear some of the stuff... <gasps> that I have been working on for the next album I'm working on, you can actually go to my SoundCloud, which is just Coker Eastler. That's my name on there. SoundCloud. And I have four songs. Not not, Not four songs, three songs. Or yeah, my username's Boulder Boulder, actually. If you want to find, you look up Boulder Boulder. Wait, this is just FBI secrets. Oh no. Yeah, I upload all my... Who's at my door? I uploaded all... Hey, guys, uh, I'm going to have to uh, put you on hold for a second. Oh. Is that that the the FBI? It was... I clicked the wrong website, I swear. No, I didn't look at anything. Oh, no. Okay, guys, I'm going to have to go. I'm about to get arrested. You're about to get arrested? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, no, that, that's down the street. You have the right to plug okay. your SoundCloud. Okay. Yes, you have the right to plug your SoundCloud. Austin, right. I'm, I'm Austin, Jacob, just plug your SoundCloud. They can't win. You can't beat you because of that. You'll win. My name is Little Gucci X on SoundCloud. It wasn't me. <laughs> plug your beats, home. It's fire. You should check out my, my, my beats before, before you, before you, um, before you go. Trick no? them. They'll play them and then the house will burn oh. down. Okay. Yep. Okay. All right, yeah, uh, they're not going to listen to it. Oh, that's rough. Well, this has been a fun episode. This has been a fun episode. Mm-hmm. Thanks to me. Should we continue this podcast? Please comment down please, below. Please comment down don't, below. Don't leave it up to them, because we're not going to get right answers. You're right, you're right. Uh, you're right. We should just look at the view count. All right, 
Jacob, Coker, and Austin, comment below if we should continue the yeah, podcast. Comment below if we should keep this going. <laughs> did, did we All did right we even then. say our names? Like I know it's implied, but like we we addressed yeah, we ourselves as we our we said I, I never said we yours, can... but like everybody knows who you are. Well, yeah. world famous secret is Austin. I'm Lucid Domino, Jacob, and Coker Eastler is Coker Eastler, now known as Sweet <laughs> Tuesday. Or <laughs> it's like Prince. Like Coker Easler, now Sweet Tuesday, formerly known as Coker Easler. <laughs> <laughs> the group, the man formerly known as Coker Easler. That's pretty funny. You know, believe it or not, I was actually uh when we first started like recording, like I got kind of nervous, and I don't know why. So that that'll explain some of my attitude from earlier in the episode. But uh. We you know that we'll we'll improve as we um we get more experience. You know, it's a it's a new thing. Yeah. It's awesome. Maybe it's I won't so ramble exciting. as much. It's kind of like a kind of like you know you don't want to go too fast or you wreck it. Have you? I don't know if you've heard that one before, but maybe I won't ramble as much in the next episode. We don't know. Should we uh should we sign off, everybody? Yeah. This is world famous secrets signing off. Goodbye. This is Lucid Domino logging off. This is Coker Eastler being stopping the recording. Off. <laughs> <laughs> off. You're just a bit off. <laughs> <laughs>